All right. We are in the book of First John, and I, I don't know, um, we're, we're nearing the end. I don't know, if you've ever in your life encountered this, and maybe I'm alone on this, but you ever kind of recognized how broken this world is? Like how messed up? Maybe, maybe for some of you, like, you just, you, you've been defeated. Ult- ultimately, like, whatever the situation is, the circumstances, maybe someone did something to you, you experienced something horrific, but it doesn't take long for all of us to realize how messed up this world is. In fact, what the worst part of it is, is sometimes it's so messed up that when you look yourself in the mirror, you wonder if you're even helping or just adding to the chaos and the brokenness of this world. And I think at times we can feel really, really, really beat up. I mean really beat up. And it's, it's kind of frustrating if, if, you've, if, you, if you claim to, to, to know Christ or claim to be a disciple. It's kind of frustrating because we have the playbook. I mean, it, it's not like it should be a surprise that this world is messed up. Right? Like it, we know that since the beginning, since the fall of Adam and Eve, that this world is a mess. And every aspect of it is a mess. But yet sometimes, and probably more often than not, you and I get hit with the fact that, man, I am so defeated. I am so beat up. I am so tired. I don't think I'll ever win. I feel like I'm just chasing my tail in this, this, this thing called life. And it just seems like there's never, ever going to be a break from that. The Greek gods had a term. It was called nikau. And, and this word, well, the Greek gods, the Greeks, about Greek gods, they, they, they talked about how the Greek gods were nikau. Or what, what actually what that meant is, is ultimate victors. Meaning that, that the Greek gods, no matter what, would always, always, always defeat whoever they fight. In fact, we get a very common clothing line, Nike, from, from a goddess who helped Zeus defeat the Tritons is, is the way they believe it. And that's after that word, nikau, which means ultimate defeater, overcomer. But here's the thing about this word. In, in the context of, of the Bible, when that word was used, every single Greek would know that that had no reference at all to those that were mortal. Only that it would be something that you could claim of the gods and never could you claim for yourself. And if, if, you, if you have your Bibles with me, turn with me to 1 John because John does something incredible. As, as he's rounding up, if you don't have a Bible, slip your hands up. The, the ushers will give you one. But as he's kind of coming to a close in this letter, he, he kind of does what he's already done a bunch. He, he repeats himself. But basically, as he's closing, he ties a bunch of stuff together and kind of hits it one at a time and kind of brings it all together. So here's the thing. I'm going to share some stuff from John 5. But remember, this was meant to be just read in one sitting. And so some of the stuff that I'm going to talk about makes you, is going to make you want to question, well, wait, what about but then you need to go back to John 2 or John 3, 1 John 2 or 1 John 3. See, because this book is, is, is together. But basically, this, this section of Scripture, this is such a big, big, big thing for us. This section right here, I think, is, is, is John is kind of closing it together. And this, this section, what it's doing for us right now is it's kind of telling how you and I are going to live our lives for the rest of the time in this broken world. And what he's going to do is he's going to tie a bunch of it together. So we're going to kind of rip through it, and, and hopefully um, it makes some sense. But 1 John 5, 1 through 5, I want to I pray real quick, and then we'll dive in. God, thank you for today. Thank you for your word that is, is living and active. God, for those in the room that aren't sure that it's living and active, aren't sure who you are, God. Maybe there's room, people in this room that are just defeated. God, would your, would your word speak mightily today? 
God, would you get much glory for, for, for each and every word that's spoken, God? Would you get much glory for our lives that are lived outside of just here? And so, God, I pray that as we look into 1 John, that I would get out of the way, God, and you would communicate through your spirit to the hearts of every single person in here what needs to be communicated. We pray all this in your son Jesus' name. Amen. So 1 John 5, um, 1 through 5. Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ has been born of God. And everyone who loves the Father loves whoever has been born of him. By this we know that we love the children of God when we love God and obey his commands. For this is the love of God that his, that his, um, for this is the love of God that we keep his commandments and his commandments are not burdensome. For everyone who has been born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. Who is it that overcomes the world except the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God? And so he does, he does basically there's, there's four things in this section that I want to talk about. Um, four things I think he takes out. And, and the first one is that we need to be born again. This, this, this word is, is, he uses it, he says, you're born of God. This was, you saw Jesus use this over and over again. He, in fact, he, he baffled Nicodemus when he told him about it. Well, Nicodemus is like, how do I go back into the mother's womb to be born again? And it's this idea that you and I are recreated. We are made new in Christ. The old dies and the new comes. And so the preface or the, this entire section, we have to start there. We have to be born again. We have to be born of Christ. And that born comes through belief in him. We see that in, in, in verse 1. Everyone who believes or has put their faith in Jesus is born new. You are a new creation. And it's important. We're not going to spend a lot of time on that, unfortunately. But it's important to remember that, that in Christ you're new. The old passes away and the new has come in Christ. It's by his work in us. And then the second thing um, that we need to know is that, that when we're born again, we display three things. Now, this isn't new. John has been talking about this over and over and over again. If you and I, and he's talked about this in the last few weeks about assurance, how do I know for sure that I am in Christ? Well, if you are born again, then three things are displayed through faith. That's the love of God, the love of others, and keeping his commandments. Then if you want to know if you're born again, then you, then you love God, and you love others, and you keep his commandments. That's a, that's a way that you and I can know this. But again, it has to start with him making us new first. See, and this first sign is, is that you love God and is that you love others. So this idea that, that if, I, if I truly love God, I'm going to love others, and that's what we've been, John's been hammering us on in chapter 4. But I think it's interesting. He turns it around in verse 2. He says that loving God is a sign that you love his children. See, I think the point is, is that if I want to love people, if I want to love others, and Josh touched on this last week as well, I have to first love God. God's love has to be in me first. See, I think the reason why John turns this around and says, well, if you really want to love someone, well, then love God first. If you really want to love someone, I think he, he turns this around because people are trying to reorient love. They think, I can love without God. I don't need his commandments or God. I can love. And, and the point here is John saying, in, outside of God, you are incapable of authentic, true love. You are incapable of that. You need to be recreated and new. And with that love, then you can love others. And I think one of the best ways you and I can love others is what he turns around here, by loving God and keeping his commands. 
So you, 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 you show these, 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 two, these three things. You love God, you love others, and you keep his commandments. And, and there you go, guys. That's how we can know for sure. That's our assurance. I am a new creation because I love God, because I love others, and because I keep his commandments. And then John says what is one of the most frustrating scriptures ever for me. Right after that in verse 3, he says, he says, and this is the third point that he's trying to do, and his commandments are not burdensome. It's like he's doing like a Jedi mind trick. They're not burdensome. It just baffles me. It's like, it's not burdensome. Have you ever tried to keep some of these things? I mean, like, seriously, how many times have you failed at loving God or loving others or keeping his commandments, which is loving God and loving others? See, it's like this circle. There's no way to, to get out of this. And it, it, it feels incredibly heavy, but that's because we forget that before we even are capable of loving God, before we can ever consider loving someone else or even following his commands, we have to go back to the fact that he has made us a new creation. We are born again. We are new. So the only way I'm ever going to love God, the only way I'm ever going to love others or anything else in that regard is because of what he has done in me first because the, fl- the faith is implanted in me. See, loving God isn't just external obedience. It means having a heart that doesn't find the commandments burdensome. They are a delight, which is interesting to say, right? But the psalmist, if you look, like, what, before we go there, sorry, what we desire, what you desire to do with your whole heart is not burdensome. Think about it. When you were dating someone early on and you're excited, maybe you're married to them now, but, but before you're married, it didn't matter what it took. You would do whatever you wanted. It wasn't burdensome to drive miles to see him or to spend, st- sleep with no hours to spend time with him. And then you get married. <laughs> what? Come on. No. <laughs> Just kidding. But, but the, the point is, is that when your heart desires something, when your whole heart desires something, it is not a burden to do it. And you do this today, what you're passionate about, what you love, the things that God has made you to get excited about in this world are things that, that, that he has created you to do, that when you do them, even though they're hard and excruciating and at times you feel like you're going to buckle, there's still a delight in them because your heart is there. So if we're born again, Jesus has given us a new heart and that heart is to do what God asks us to do. So it's a delight. The psalmist, right, in Psalm 48, just to give you a few. I delight to do your will, O my God. Your law is within my heart. Psalms 119, 24. Your testimonies are my delight. They are my counselors. And then this one, Psalms 119, 92. If your law had not been my delight, if, if, if your law was not my delight, I would have perished in my afflictions. Let that rest with you a second. If, 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 you're, if, if his law was not the delight, then the afflictions that come in this world would have perished. I would have crumbled. I would have crumbled. See, loving God means admiring and valuing and treasuring and desiring him with such authenticity, with such authenticity that his will is your delight and it's not burdensome. And this isn't some Jedi mind trick. It's not burdensome because, again, it's him in you. You're a new creation made, designed to do what he has created you for. Notice the word for in verse four. I want to talk about this. John says, he says, I am, I am now giving, uh, I'm going to give you another reason here of why loving God 
by doing his commandments isn't, isn't burdensome. In verse 4, he says, um, for, for everyone, for. So this is the idea of like, okay, look, his commandments are not burdensome now. Here's why. For, and this is the word, he says, for everyone who has been born of God overcomes the world. It means that the new birth severs the root or the cravings of this world. So that means that we have overcome this world. And so that's another reason why his commandments are not burdensome. Because we're no longer in the slavery of this world and the bondage of, of, of addiction and, and, and all the things that this world tries to, to suppress and hold down. We're freed from that. So, so when it comes to following God, it, it, it's our desires are lined up with doing his will. That root of, of, of slavery to this world has been severed. So my tastes are no longer for this world. See, the power of this world is broken. This is the fourth thing of this text. We have overcome this world in Christ. If we're born again, then there is a promise that we all crave. You and I wake up every day craving this, and that is victory. Victory over our temptations, victory over our struggles, victory over illness, victory over our own mistakes, victory over the brokenness in this world. That's why you and I even get engaged in some of the brokenness because we want to see victory happen. But here's that word again, Nikau. John does something amazing here. There are so many terms for, like I couldn't even, it would have been pages of terms of what people that are disciples of Jesus are called in the, in the Bible. Children, sons of kingdom, holy priesthood, anointed ones, righteous. There's so many things, children, brothers and sisters, there's so many words used for those that are in Christ, Christian. So many words. And John uses this word. No, 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 brothers. You're in a cow. You're an overcomer. You are the ultimate victor. Now, now realize this context. These weren't Hebrews. These were, these were all Greeks that he's mostly writing to. To them, he just used a term that was only designated for God's. And he just said, look, in Christ, you have ultimate victory. In Christ, you will defeat. In Christ, you win. Jesus used this in John 16, He basically said it in the terms of him overcoming Satan. Right? This, this, this text, this, this word, what, what, what do we overcome specifically? Well, there's, scriptures are full of them. The, this world is, is one thing we overcome. But we also overcome Satan. We see that in Ephesians 6, 11, Revelations 12, 11, and 2 Corinthians 2, 11. We overcome death. You and I, in Christ, we overcome death. 1 Corinthians 15, 54. Paul claims a victory in Acts 20. He claims victory over immense trials. Laying out his life saying, it doesn't matter what happens to me, I will be victorious in Christ. Christ. And then Paul again in, first, in 2 Corinthians talks about momentary afflictions of this world. We overcome them. We overcome all those. Now do you hear that? Do you believe that? Because if you don't, see here's the problem. You and I hear that and we're like, ah, but, but man, my situation, I can't kick this addiction or I made too many mistakes and there's so many consequences. Look, overcoming does not mean misplacing or moving or removing consequences. Overcoming doesn't mean removing you from this world. Look at the book of Job. This, this, 
this, this mentality that, okay, Jesus makes your life fluffy butterflies and bunnies and everything's awesome is so silly. Because here's the thing. Yes, there is immense joy. Why? Because I delight. I delight in the fact that the spirit inside of me is in tune with the creator who designed me to be who I am. I delight in the fact that no matter what comes at me, in Christ, I am ultimate victor. Ultimate. Overcoming this world is not our work, it's God's work in us. See, you and I, we hear this overcome, yeah, and you see, okay, I'm just gonna, I'm gonna beat this addiction, and you run to it. I'm gonna, I'm gonna end the relationship, and you run to your strength and your work, and you will be overcome by this world time and time and time again. And here's the trick. Here's, I believe the enemy loves to trick us. Sometimes you'll be successful. You'll be successful at beating a few of these things so that you can start working it on your own strength. We'll use, we'll use scriptures like, I can do all things through Christ. I mean, I can do it all. When really what that means is that I am capable of nothing unless Christ is doing it through me. Nothing. Your only, your overcoming status, your nakao, how come you can be called the term that made no sense to these people is because of what Jesus has done for you, what Jesus is doing in you, and what Jesus is doing through you. So here, here, here's the thing. If you're here today and you're like, man, I want to overcome. I want to be a victor. And you keep doing it on your own. It's just going to hit harder and harder and harder over and over and over again. And I'm not promising you an easy life. There's plenty of stories in the scripture that talk about. Well, just look at Paul. Just go study the Apostle Paul and see how great his life was by the world's standards. So the means of victory, the means of overcoming the world is explicitly stated for, um, for us in, in verse four. It says, how, how have we overcome this? And it's our faith. Our faith. I think this is interesting because basically the reason um, that new birth overcomes is that it creates in us faith. The reason why we can overcome is because, because Jesus creates in us a faith. New birth comes, then faith. It's that faith. It's that all in that one time. So, so what he has done is he created in me the work of God in me, a new birth. And in that new life, he creates um, something that sees everything as superior in Jesus than everything else. So my faith now looks at Jesus in his life and what he's doing not at this momentary afflictions, not at my trials, not at my temptations, not at my weaknesses, but I'm focusing on him and what he's done. That's why faith conquers the world. So the world held us in bondage by the power of its desires, but now our eyes have been opened. Our eyes are opened in this new birth and we have a faith in Jesus. And so now we can see that, that the power that we thought this world had over us is, is minute, small, momentary, compared to what Christ has and is doing in us. See, Jesus is victorious over every single horrible thing in this broken world. You've got to focus on that because right now you're going to go home and you're going to be experiencing something horrible, something not right, something not fair. Right? You're going to see this, but you've got to recognize that everything Jesus is victorious in. There is not a single thing that wins against him. And in him, I'm now an overcomer. But instead of just telling you about this, I asked a friend to join me today. See, because I think a lot of us, 
go, well, you don't know my situation. So, Reese, if you can come on up here. So a lot of you are like, I, you don't know my situation. You don't know what's going on. And every situation is, is hard in its own reality. Every situation is, is difficult. Thanks, Reese. But, but here's the thing. It's one thing to say, I'm, I'm going through battle. I'm fighting. And you know what? I just, whatever. And it's a totally different thing to fight this world with the belief that you are victorious, with the belief that you are an overcomer. So instead of just talking about this, instead of just sharing a hypothetical idea, I want all of you real quickly to, to say hello to Reese at one time. This is my friend Reese. Say hello. hello. All right, hello. there you go. Hello. Happy Mother's Day. Yeah, thank you. You too. Oh, wait, no. <laughs> um, so Reese, why don't you just catch us up a little bit of your story real quick. Sure. Um, that led to this. Yeah, stand up, sit, do whatever. Um, well, uh, in 2011, I was uh, diagnosed with uh, melanoma cancer, and uh, of course, it's, it's tough, but um, the first year, I was, uh, they did a follow-up, and it wasn't determined whether or not it had gone further into my body other than just a spot on my leg, so I went through a year of optional uh, treatment and uh, it kind of made me feel like I had the flu for about a year but I thought I can endure that because I don't want any regrets later if it, something pops up so uh, I did that and then uh, a month and a half later after I was off the medicine it, the follow-up scans determined that I had cancer in my lungs and in my brain so more intensive uh, treatment followed and it was tough so you know, as Bren was talking about this earlier, it's like, uh, you know, there's, we know the world's messed up and, and all oh, the solutions, Jesus, so maybe we, you know, think, oh, let me fix this and just invite Jesus into my life. But then we start reading the fine print. <laughs> and like, every character in the Bible is like, what? Going through all these struggles and trials, and it's like, did I sign up for this? <laughs> you know, uh, maybe I want to reconsider here because I didn't read the fine print before I got into this. So, um, but I saw that the world was messed up. But I thought, you know, my life was pretty good before this happened. You know, I had a wife and two stepchildren that are amazing, and I didn't really have a lot of struggles. So, the fact that now. You know, there's a possibility that my time is limited, but a possibility that it's not. It's like, well, I have no control over this. So, um, you know, a lot of my family and friends and people here just have been praying for me to be healed. And, and uh, it was kind of an interesting process for me because I suddenly had to, like, just trust God. <laughs> and And you know, realize there's nothing else I could really do. So one of, the, of my radiation treatment um, gave me insomnia. So I would sleep for a couple hours, then I'd be awake for a couple hours in the middle of the night. And it was just time that I could just be with God and pray and, and read and listen. And I started realizing that, uh, you know, as Bren was talking, like, we, you know, we can't you know, fix ourselves. We can't have the choice of like, you know, you see all these commands and stuff and you start realizing, I can't do that. And a lot of people might say, that's, I'm failing. But I think when a person finally says to themselves, I can't do that, that's the beginning of victory. Because that's the part you have to say, 
God, this is for, you have to do it because I can't. So I think that's when God starts making changes in our hearts and our lives and our minds and our will. And, uh, you know, the, the only trials and struggles I really had was there was probably a couple people in my life where, you know, they didn't treat me as well as I thought or they weren't very fair. And so I had trouble forgiving them and, you know, I had anger towards them. And that stuff starts melting away when you realize, well, if God can forgive me, <laughs> why can't I not forgive them? So God's made some changes in me that's helped me to just become a better person. And I think it was kind of interesting that physically as I get less healthy, spiritually I get more healthy. So it's been a real benefit. And, and uh, you know, aside from asking why a lot, I start to see things that are, have been benefits from this. Uh, my dad and stepmom invited Christ into their life over Easter. I don't know if they would have if I didn't have this condition. So I start realizing this might be an answer to my prayers for the last few years, you know, that God just, and my sister, who's a pretty outspoken atheist, is uh, asking me a lot of questions now, and so there might be an opportunity for God to work in her life. So to me, I'm like, wow. And I start looking at my options as like, well, I'm becoming a better person, I think spiritually, more open to hearing God's voice and doing what he's asking me. And, you know, if I, you know, if God grants, you know, my prayers and that I'm healed eventually from this, then that's great. I think further on in my life, I'll be a better servant and a better husband and a better dad. And uh, if not, I get to go be with Jesus. So it's like, Hey, flip a coin, you win either way. You know, it's it's like uh, when you DVD, you know, excuse the sports analogy on Mother's Day, but when you when you DVR a game, you want to see later, and then but before you watch it, you know, somebody tells you who you, that your team won. It's like, oh, but you watch it anyway, you know, just so you can fast forward through the commercials. But and then your team's screwing up, they're doing penalties, they're fumbling, but at the end, you just kind of go, well. They're going to win in the end. So yeah. it's easy to see that. You know? <laughs> um, share, share a little bit. So Reese has been gracious enough to write very hysterical um, letters to a few of us that are praying for him. And, and this is what kind of began this originally. I'd asked him, hey, would you, would you ever consider sharing this? And, and he said a couple things. Um, one was, no, I'm going to cry. <laughs> Shocker, right? <laughs> um, See, I'm not really sad. I'm just yeah. using inflections in my voice yeah. to make you're it sound more spiritual. You're, you're, more gi- <laughs> you're a more gifted communicator than I am. <laughs> um, yeah, me too. This is just yeah. dust. The lights are bright or something. Yeah, yeah thank you. Yeah. Yeah, you look good. <laughs> One of the things he had said was, um, was if, if God uses this in my life to, to bring truth to others, then I'm game. But at the same time, you know, he said even, he said, I don't want to, and this maybe wasn't in the letter, but one, one of the times we were praying with you, but I don't want to sound selfish, but I just want 10 years, 10 more years for my kids, for Justin and Maya to, to be out of high school so that Kim doesn't have to deal with that. And, and 
he said, but I know ultimately I'm victorious over this. I know that either way God's hand is in it and God is, is for them more than I am. But, but one of the things I wanted to do, if you could just share a little bit about right. the, just kind of the struggle that you've, you've battled in that. Yeah, I've, you know, some of my quiet times I've been thinking about how uh, Jesus Christ didn't want to go to the cross. He, he prayed in the garden for God, if there's any other way, let this cup pass from me, but not my will, your will. And I've had a lot of that too, as far as, uh, you know, I don't want to have cancer and to feel, feel sick and to be tired and, you know, be short-tempered with my kids or my wife because I'm weak and physically, but if it's God's will, then they're going to be better people for it, too. And, uh, I, you know, my kids are 10 and 8, and I was just like, if I could make it 10 years to where they're out of the house, you know, so they're in college and they're kind of adults now, it's like, that would be a, a real gift, God. You know, just, just give me that, you know, so that my wife doesn't have to be burdened with being a single parent and... And my kids will be older, and, and they will deal with it a lot easier. So it was also sort of like my bargaining with God a little bit. Like, okay, you know, I can understand. You know, you you know, you miss me, and you want me to be face to face with you. I, I understand, but you know, give me give me ten more years, and that's nothing in eternity, right? You know. So, and then you know. My wife is a saint, you know, she's seen me go from a man with a pretty good set of hair to, you know, going bald and getting, getting uh, light eyebrows and slowly turning from a man into E.T. So, I, I mean, I got to appreciate. She gave she's you this got, look from the back. Like when you said pretty good hair, she was like so-so. Yeah, you know, right okay. Well, you know, <laughs> okay, it was thinning, but... Um, you know, so she's got her own struggles, <laughs> and uh, but yeah, <laughs> ten points on it. So, um, I, you know, that's I, I, you know, I can't say that I'm overcome all of these struggles, you know, but I'll always have them while I'm still alive. But um, I'll, you know, I think. Romans eight twenty eight is sort of the pinnacle of scripture for me, and it says that, you know, all things work together for the good for those who love him. And that's all you can do is trust that this is somehow working together for good. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's, it's not easy. We'll struggle, but in the end, we'll see why. And then two more questions for you. Yeah. One is, um, you know, he talks about overcoming us as the faith that's given to us. And in one of your letters, you talked a little bit about God's sovereignty and, and your faith journey. And I, get, I mean, you've kind of touched on it again, but just plainly talk about, like, the faith that you have in, in Christ in the middle of this. Um, yeah. Um, you know, when there's nothing you can do you almost have no other option <laughs> you know so 
when God kind of says, well, you know, this is the best medical technology right now, but um, it may or may not work, and so I'm the ultimate healer, so it's really up to me. It's like, okay. So I don't know, when you're in a quarter, it's like, is this really faith that I have, you know? And, and, I, and it's just come down to like, well, yeah, it's, it's faith whether whatever happens, it's like God has control. So it has strengthened my faith. It's strengthened my faith in a lot of areas as far as um, God's ultimate plan. You know, it's, it's going to be good. You know, this, um, you know, hell is maybe the only place where God isn't. And so this place here is sort of God's workshop, <laughs> you know, before we ultimately, heaven on earth is, you know, established in his kingdom. But um, I'm just going to trust in that, you know. And it's, it's really the best thing we can all do. I think that, um, you know, our, I think a lot of people's faith will, will be, you say, I'm backed into a corner, right, mm. in the faith idea. I think a lot of people's faith allows circumstances to dictate its strength or lack of. Um, and I think more of, I guess, what I would ask of you, the last kind of hoorah question, is that um, here, here's, a, here's you. And we don't, I don't have Reese up here so we can hold up a pedestal. Everyone be like him. He's amazing because... He's no, really not, he's not that. that amazing. No, I'm just kidding. Um, but, but really, you know, circumstances, you know, there's a lot of people that have, have battled what you're going through are harder or, or their own, in their own reality, it's, it's just as hard. Mm-hmm. And they allow those circumstances to say, well, in a corner, well, who are you, God? And, and they, they, they kind of push away. You know, maybe there are moms here that feel completely inadequate, you know, or there, mm-hmm. there are people that are battling some addiction or something else. I guess... A last charge in regards to what would you say to them as someone that's in the middle of a, of a battle that I mean that this battle I mean you may lose or win but ultimately you're victorious in the right. grand scheme of things so so I guess in the middle of that what would you say to everyone else here that's dealing with their own battle their own faith affectedness or, or whatever it may be there yeah there's one thing I did learn is you know Honestly, I think my life was pretty, um, pretty, pretty great before you know my diagnosis. So um, it's I've become more sensitive to other people now. I think too that you know a lot of times it's like well they're experiencing the consequences of their bad behavior, you know, <laughs> and it's like w- w- there's a lot of trials and things we go through that are not really our doing you know and uh, and everyone has a struggle I think somewhere at some time and if you haven't you will Um, and I can't judge anybody by how difficult that is for them you know somebody who breaks a leg may struggle and have more difficulty with than someone who has to have their leg amputated I mean but each it's an individual process and so I've kind of gone through the idea of like, wow, you, just, you know, whatever the struggle or trial is, you know, you ultimately have to give it back to God and say, and then you will find out that it's, it's not as burdensome and that when you have ultimate victory, it's easier to walk that path, yeah. you know, 
at the time I was kind of thinking about that. It was, you know, there was a cruise ship that was disabled in the middle of the Caribbean, and I was like, in the middle of the night, I was watching a little bit of the news, and I was talking to God about the latest doctor visit, and some ladies on the TV, like, crying because she had to, you know, pee in a bucket while she's in the Caribbean, you know? I was like, (laughs) please, you know? If that's your trial, you know, I'll trade you, you know. (laughs) So, um, but you just got to realize that, you know, if things are good for you right now, then, you know, give it, thank God. But if they're not, thank God, (laughs) because there's a reason. Yeah, cool. Well, let me pray for you real quick, and then we're going to finish up the service. God, thank you so much for Reese and Kim and Justin Maya. God, thank you for their family. Thank you for the encouragement that Reese has been uh, to me and to many others um, through this trial that this broken world has has allowed him in, God. So I just thank you for um, your faithfulness. I thank you that um, our faithfulness isn't dependent on yours, God. I thank you that that you are at work in each of us, God. And I thank you that you are ultimate victor. And God, like we prayed before, and and if you guys feel like it, you don't have to, but if you want to just reach your hands out towards Reese. God, we believe in prayer. We believe that your spirit is powerful and that you are the healer. And so, God, I selfishly ask, um, would you heal Reese? Would you, would you remove the cancer from his body? Would you baffle the doctors? He could just give much more glory to you, God. God, would you, would you remove this from him so that he could give the, the 10 years or 20 years or 30 years more as dad and husband? God, I just... Um, I pray boldly that you do that. But God, also I say, not our will, but yours be done, God. And so I just pray. I pray for peace. I pray for love. I pray that you um, continue to go with the hands of the doctors and the medicine that he's on. And God, I just pray for mighty work. And I pray that in this time you would continue to be his peace. And I pray that you would continue to strengthen him, God, and continue to show more and more of who you are uh, to him. And I just, again, thank you for reading his heart and the, the willingness to share this. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Thanks, Reese. One, one of the things I think that comes from this text is, is, is that sometimes we forget what overcome means. See, I think a lot of us feel like, well, you know, I have faith, or I know Jesus, and like Reese had said, you know, if you're backed into a corner, a lot of people backed into a corner don't turn towards faith. They run from it. But I think, I think we need to understand that, that when we overcome, it doesn't mean that we don't struggle. It doesn't mean that we don't doubt. It doesn't even mean that we don't fail or mess up. I said at the beginning how we had to Remember that we're in John 5, 1 John 5, and there's text before this that was intended to be read at one time. You might, you might at times fail at winning a battle. You know, ultimate, ultimate victory, again, isn't in the circumstances. Ultimate victory is in Christ and what he is doing and what he will continue to do. So I guess I ask is, is what battle are you fighting right now? What issues are you running into? See, because what's going to happen, like, like Reese has said, is if you're born again, sooner or later, 
you're going to mess up. Maybe make it through the day, barely. But you're going to mess up and you're going to fail. And it's at that time, it's at that time where John has is, is been coming back to this overcome and he uses this, this word that makes no sense almost for anyone that he's reading it to. How could I be an overcomer? But he's using it in light of, don't forget the fact that, that 1 John 2 talks about like, look, we're not talking about perfection. 1 John 2, 1 was, was, look, if you sin, which you will sin, when you sin, and then he goes on to say the most beautiful thing ever, don't worry because you have an advocate in Jesus Christ. So the point isn't that, that I may fail or I mess up and that I need to be perfect because, again, perfection is only in Christ. I'm only righteous because of what he's done, not by anything I do or say. But when you come up against the I've failed and I've messed up, or maybe you feel like you're losing this battle, don't forget that ultimately in Christ you are victorious, that you have an advocate in Christ that, that was sinless. When we sin, he's sinless. When we, we fail to love, he never fails to love. When we lack to look like the image of righteousness, we are righteous in him. See, you and I have an advocate for Christ, and he's not fighting against us. He's fighting for us. And if you want to know the end of the story, he wins. He wins it all. In him, he wins everything. And in Reese's situation, he may not get the decade, but God still wins. God still wins. And so I hope, I hope that each of you, as the, as the band comes up, and we're going to sing a few more songs, I hope that each of you would just leave with the realization that no matter what situation you're in, no matter what battle you're going through, no matter what, how many times you've maybe lost, that ultimate victory is Christ. Ultimate victory is in Him, and it's not our performance. It's not what I do or don't do. It's what He does in and through me. It's, it's, he's the one that began me being born again. He's the one that gives me this faith. He's the one that allows me to love others in Him and to keep His commandments. So would you just, maybe just once, maybe just once, make the stand today where you realize that from now on, you are Nikau. You are an overcomer in Christ. And would you live a life where you believe that so that when these struggles come and you're backed in a corner, your faith doesn't weaken, your faith grows. Because you know that no matter what you face, no matter what trial, no matter what temptation, no matter what this world brings, we are not of this world, we are of God. And he is victorious through Jesus Christ.